0: Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. You will have immediately noticed that there is no Matt Messiano today. He's away on a well-deserved break when he's left. Jordan and myself, Tom, with the keys to the pod in the meantime. Hopefully we'll do him justice. Jordan, how are you doing first and foremost? Yeah, good. Thanks,
1: man. It's it's good to be here. Feels a little strange about... Without Matt, kind of at the driver's seat now. It's uh, I'm not quite as comfortable as I normally would be. The seat belts are not extra tight. And I'm just getting ready for a for a different sort of show. I guess we've got a lot to cover. Two games um, to cover from uh, the last week or so. So should be an interesting one. How are you?
0: Yes, I'm all good, mate. Just uh, recovering from another fairly sort of uninspiring ninety minutes. Uh, let's look at these two games as a whole. I think first and foremost. Two games under Roy Hodgson now, very clear what he's trying to do at least. What have you made of those those two games? A draw with Burnley, a defeat to West Ham on a high mm-hmm. higher level. What have you made of it so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think when Roy came when Roy came in, we had a pretty good understanding of what he'd at least be trying to do, and I think so far, I think we've seen that come through. I'd actually say, I think we've seen a decent level of progression actually um mm. in the aspects that he's targeting in terms of defense to the off the ball I think we've we've grown um I think the West Ham game was much better than Burnley yeah you know, different opponents obviously but I think we, we did look we did look good defensively now obviously that can come at the expense of offensive threat but um, just just simply looking at that team and, and comparing it to, to to other other sides we've seen this season um, other, other teams we've put out and how frail we've looked. It, to 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 be able to kind sort of change that look in, in any regards to that degree I think is I think it's a plus it's a it's a win but obviously we have to see if that's enough for what we need um kind of to avoid falling further into the predicament we're in um so yeah I, I mean I think there's positives to take from it and obviously we're going to have a lot to discuss in regards to that but really it's going to be one of those situations where it all depends on how we move forward and how we continue to build but I think initially despite the results not being exactly what we want. Um, I think you can look and say there are some positives, definitely, from Roy.
0: Yeah, I agree with that totally. I felt watching West Ham game, watching West Ham game last night, we're talking today on, on the Wednesday, it felt very much like a game where we weren't, well, certainly I wasn't almost having kittens every time they came near our goal. You know, they're maybe not the greatest attacking team in the world, but they've got some decent attackers. Mikel Antonio knows how to score goals uh, and, and some of the kind of guys in those supplementary forward positions behind him are dangerous the likes of Ben Rahm and Lanzini when he came on and so on but it it, it, it felt like we kept them at arm's length, I don't know if maybe that's overstating it a little bit they they clearly had the better chances and uh, hit the post after Ben Foster, I was about to call him Ben Robinson for some reason, had made a very good save um, but it, it felt like, it didn't feel like we were about to collapse every time they kind of ventured into our third and it, to me that feels like the immediate and very obvious success of the, the Roy Hodgson era is, is that fair
1: yeah I mean I think it is I, I don't I just try as you're saying that I was trying to think back and, and think about some previous Watford sides we've seen and in, in, in the recent times I don't think apart from maybe Kiko's first spell I, I've never I haven't been as confident watching the Watford side off the ball which is crazy to say um, given how poor we've been doing it at the beginning portion of the season but I think we did things really well uh, West Ham were a little bit blunt. Early on, they weren't really threatening us as much as they could, and they did later on in the game. But um, I think just our organisation was very solid. We've got... I, I say we. this is one of our better teams in terms of athletes. I think we cover the ground well. We can get into shape well once they are drilled to do so. I think we have got a team that's quite capable of defending in that way, even if um, you can expect the the odd kind of individual error. I do think as a collective, there can be quite a strong defensive unit um, for front to back especially when you have the the pressing ability that you have in dennis and and even josh king as well um yeah. and obviously we, we did go with a more defensive lineup which definitely helps helps feed into that but um that, i think that, as you said the defining aspect to this this spell so far has been uh, to sort that defensive shape out and as i say as i touched on earlier is that gonna be enough to to kind of change things and 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 get us safe potentially but potentially not we might have to see more uh, and it's really kind of finding out how we can open ourselves up a little bit it's the same problem every team can have you know you've got to find that balance and balance is so key um, but when you have an objective which I think requires a little bit of aggression and assertiveness you have to kind of be a little bit quicker to find that balance otherwise you could find yourself just kind of slowly slowly whimpering out
0: What have you made of the the kind of pairing of Cathcart and and Samir at the back in these two games? Obviously, it's not been very long. Samir's only been here for you know probably just just about a month, but that already feels a bit more solid than than what we had previously, to my mind.
1: Yeah, I really like it actually. Um, I think Craig Cathcart's obviously he's not the most let's just say he's not the most inspiring defender (laughs) in the sense. uh, He's not someone that would necessarily be kind of the first name everyone put down, but I think he. I I I do I do like Craig for his for his defensive work. I think he's mm. he's a smart defender. He doesn't he doesn't generally take risks. He's tidy in possession. I think he's maybe a little bit underrated by Watford fans. We've seen him partnered with so many so many centre backs over the years. He's played in various positions. He's played at right back and done well. Uh, I, I do think he's someone that does slot in. He's he's someone that's definitely I think he's definitely heightened by his partner. And I think he's sometimes looked mm. earlier on in the season looked to kind of not his best but I think a lot of that can have to do with what he's got next to him I think in Samir I think Samir's actually got some similar qualities to Cathcart he's not he's a little bit more risky uh, in, in the way he defends he's a little bit more aggressive at times but having said that I think he plays, I think he plays quite sensibly um, he doesn't look to overdo things too often I know there was the, the occasion against Norwich we got pushed off the ball trying to kind of usher it out and kind of win the free kick but in general I think his play has been quite solid and the balance of having that left foot centre back alongside Craig Cathcart um, I, I've, I've been quite impressed and I think also obviously you can't you can't underestimate the effect that the fullbacks have had in the game too especially Kamara coming in there mm-hmm. uh, but as as a back four I, I think we look good and I don't think the problem was always personnel we've had some personnel issues we could have definitely strengthened that area uh, in, in the summertime we tried to address it in January but I, I think person to person you know man to man there you have actually got enough quality in there where you can you can work that as a good defensive unit. You just have to make sure they're not over the exposed. You have to help them out a little bit. And I think that back four now, the the one that started last night, could potentially be the one we see uh, the for the majority of the rest of the season. How about you? What what's your thoughts on that back four? Because it's something that's been discussed so heavily, especially in terms of recruitment. But then yeah. suddenly we've got like a we've got a new look back four in a sense, uh, and it seems to be performing relatively well.
0: Yeah, that's it. It feels like a lot has changed in a very short space of time by going out and buying. You know, literally half a new defence um, I think the thing, the thing you touched on there actually was quite interesting with Cathcart he's obviously played alongside a lot of partners over a lot of years as you rightly said and I think sometimes it, the temptation is to look at that as from, from the negative side and say oh we've not you know how have we not replaced Craig Cathcart how have we not upgraded on Craig Cathcart and actually another way of cutting that is to say Craig Cathcart has been here and been through all these people because he's better than them even if we don't see it every week. And, you know, he's Craig Cathcart. He just seems like the most boring man on earth, doesn't he? I, I, I was listening to, um, for my sins, I was listening to Ben Foster's podcast the other day because had, he had Rob Elliott on, which might seem like quite a low-rent guest, but I've heard bits of Rob Elliott and other stuff in, in the previous, uh, re, for re, previous reasons, and he's always come across as quite, quite an interesting character. So I listened to that one, and he was talking about, oh, they were both talking about, in fact, what a character Craig Cathcart is, on a night out and in the changing room, and what have you? So maybe we, maybe we or I. No, I have heard got the exact.
1: Wrong. I've heard the exact same. Honestly, and <laughs> I've seen. You know, you've seen Crypto Cathcart. He does seem to have a sense of humour, and he's. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's a good. I think he's a great squad player, and I think. I think one of the things that makes him so, so often involved, despite club kind of which managers come in, I think he's incredibly coachable. Uh, yeah. I think he's he's versatile in the way he plays, and the, the, his his brand of defending, the way he plays centre back. Every team can use that to some degree. Mm. He might not be the best at doing it in the league, but he's someone that can fit into any sort of defensive system. Really, um, maybe you'd argue he's not someone that's going to play super high up the pitch in a more aggressive yeah. system. But he's someone that can play centre back, and he can be alongside the, the kind of the more aggressive centre back or whatever you need. He's someone that can just slot in there. And I, I think with Hodgson coming in, I believe when uh, yourself. Matt and I were discussing previously. We thought that Cathcart was definitely going to be one of those that would be yeah, straight into that team and, and most likely be there for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. So no, to to to, to be serious for a moment, I I think that the union that those that Cathcart and Samir have struck up immediately is good, and it's it's a reflection of that that I did didn't feel overly concerned for for long periods, and of the guys in front, as you say, I thought the midfield particularly uh, worked particularly hard. I should say against uh, West Ham, and and you know. Kutska seemed to be everywhere for an hour, and I'm sure we'll get into him and the probably the, the impact that him fading had on the game. But Kamara as well, there needs to be a word for him. I think there. He's been, you know, really good in whatever it is, three or four games now at left back. Seems like an immediate upgrade. Um, I don't know if we've even necessarily seen the, the kind of the best of him going forward, which is perhaps you know what he would sell himself on on his CV. But defensively, he he seems to be an immediate upgrade on on Danny Rose and Adam Senior. Um to the point that it, it doesn't seem a, almost a discussion that anyone else plays that role now, quite apart from the fact Danny Rose is out of the squad. But um it you know, it seems like he's 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 nailed that down very quickly moving from another league having never played in this country before. He's you know doesn't seem to be having any difficulty dealing with the robustness of it. He will go forward but he's quite you know, he will get back and, and do the, the, the kind of unglamorous work as well. What what have you made of him? Oh man, I think
1: I, I, when you look at these players, I think out out the kind of signs we had in January, the Camaros is the one I looked at the I had the opportunity to watch the most of. Um, and I think when you look at you look at players' tape and you see them playing, and not just different leagues, but different teams, different structures, setups. You always you see a player's performing well, and you always hope and you try and look how can they transition into this team and this this build. And there's so much kind of intangible off the pitch you can't really predict too much, but you just hope to see some of those traits coming through early. Uh, but I think with Kamara, he's one of the one of the guys that comes in. You see that it that click and that fit instantly, which is one of the most satisfying things for a recruitment guy. So I'm sure our team are pretty happy with how that's worked out so far. Uh, as you say, is a big upgrade in a lot of areas. Obviously, not the physical presence and maybe kind of not that stay back stay back in defence and keeping that mm. back four nice and tight that you would get from Messina. But the the flexibility you have, not just to be able to carry the ball and, and provide some threat going forward because you say we haven't really been able to see the most of that from him yet uh, especially because the way we've been playing has been relatively reserved and contributing in front of, of the fullbacks has not been as, as, as much of a priority but in possession uh, quite often he has that he's happy to turn out and try and find the ball forwards and when we've seen that for Massener in, in particular so often that was just a kind of lobbed ball forwards and kind of hoping someone would get in the end of it and oftentimes that would lead us into a, into a difficult situation and it put us under pressure. So having someone like Kamara I think it's a huge plus. Uh, it gives us a lot more balance. We haven't had a balanced full set up for for a number of years now. Mm. So having ha- having him on one side and Kiko Femenia on the other, I think can provide us with a, a lot of threat going forwards too and I, I think it's something that will grow uh, but initially I I'd say you couldn't have really asked too much more from Kamara.
0: No, agreed. In terms of the the guys in midfield referenced it a minute ago, obviously uh Kyembe's come in and done very well. So far, we know what we're gonna get from Sissoko and Kutzka and, and Cleverly. It was a very it felt like a very Roy Hodgson midfield if we're being very stereotypical against West Ham. What was the what was the thinking there in, in fielding those four the way he did and, and, and did it work?
1: Well, I mean it's the, I guess it's the it's a the... I guess it really comes down to interpretation in terms of did it work, but in, in terms of setup you had you kind of looked in that, that more traditional four four two setup and when you have that when you have those two wide midfielders occupied by uh central midfielders traditionally playing in those wider areas, you expect them to, to play a little bit narrow at times and then you also kinda of off the ball, you've got the ability to kind of drop Tom Cleverly in a little bit more centrally. Dennis was able to drop back a little bit more on the left and, and help out as more of a traditional winger uh, or, or wide midfielder. On occasion, with with King kind of occupying that central spot, and then in you know in possession you can you can push King forward a little bit and and Dennis a little bit forward, and Cleverly he's able to kind of move which side the ball is, and it's, it's a little bit more fluid than a rigid four four two. Um, in terms of in possession off the ball, you're going to see more of that traditional kind of shape, um, with the occasional helping of Dennis. So the wide midfielders in those positions always kind of leave you in a little bit of a difficult situation offensively. We've seen it previously at Watford in recent years with Javier Gracia and and, and Kiko uh, Kiko Sanchez Flores, but obviously, Mm. very different variety of 4 4 2. But when you have those wide midfielders, often their job is rather than taking their man one on one, they're looking to play inside a little bit, um, kind of create that box, that square uh, between the two forwards and the two wide midfielders, and try and look to play in those areas. I think the difficulty for us last night in terms of offensive shape. Was really the the distances we had between um, between those four players. It was very hard for for us to kind of transition that ball. Often Dennis was having to quite, come quite deep to collect the ball and try and carry it, and you end up in that situation where you have this these two players that are managing to get forwards, and they've got no real support. And you get these half chances, and they, you know Josh King gets sent through and has drags a shot wide because kind of doesn't really get the power behind it because he's got no support to play. Uh, and that can be that can be something some somewhat problematic for us. But I, I do think Kuchka has the ability to to play in that role. Mm. Uh, but I think what it goes back to is something we discussed in the previous podcast is do you have to look for a way to to find a little bit more a little bit more threat perhaps on the other side. If you have a if you have a Ure Kuchka or a or a Tom cleverly on one side, you then try and compensate by having some of the little bit more offensive minds on on the left, for example. And that might be something that becomes available to us later on when we get players back like Ismedia Sarr. But um last night I just think we went a little bit too heavily in the direction of Conservative, and I think it did hamper us. It obviously helped in some ways defensively, but offensively, I just felt we were a little bit disconnected and we, we lost that balance, which is something we were obviously discussing earlier.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if the squad, and this is what happens when you change manager as often as we do, isn't perhaps built for that kind of system in a way that you can put... You can put people out there, out out wide, that aren't really wingers and for the reasons you explain, it works, but there are limitations as well. But is there a natural kind of left-sider that has got a bit more oomph and a bit more drive and willingness to to progress the ball um, in the squad? Because obviously we saw Ken against... um, Against Burnley, and we all know what he's good at, and he, he did a good job in the Championship. But just in the Premier League, he doesn't quite cut it. But he works hard, he's strong, etc. So he does the defensive side. I'm just, but I'm not sure you put, you know, shout up if you disagree, of course. But I, I don't feel like you put a, a Dennis or a Coutinho or someone like that in quite a deep kind of conventional four-four-two winger position, do you? That you want those guys, you want to have probably three behind them. So maybe it's a. A case of being fluid or 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 compromising yeah. some things elsewhere.
1: Well, and for me, I think I think personally, my my preference when it comes to this, cause I understand that I understand the idea of the, of the way they're setting up, and I, I can definitely kind of get behind it in the right in the right context. I think for me, I want to see, I want to see a little bit of a different trait offensively. I want if I've got a wide midfielder playing, sorry, if I've got a central midfielder playing wide. I want to see what they have to offer that can contribute to it, to attacking systems. So, for example, when we had Kike Sanchez Flores, and um, we had on occasion we had Valon Barami played wide once or twice, uh, and that is a that is a negative move because they're not providing anything to that structure, that offensive build up. They're playing within themselves offensively. It doesn't allow you to really progress things. But on the opposite side of things, when when Javier Gracia was there, Almen Abdi playing the wide position, whilst by no yeah, means exactly. a, a winger, he's someone that can. Play the ball inside. He's someone that can use that space. He's a smart, intelligent player. In the same way that Will Hughes is, they're playing on the on the opposite side, so they can cut in on that on that stronger foot, and it opens the field up a little bit. So whilst they can still kind of use the qualities of that central midfielders' discipline and understanding of the the kind of work required off the ball, um, they do have something to contribute in forward areas. I think Kushka does. His passing can be it can be up and down, but he is someone that can yeah. actually carry the ball. Defensively, you're still going to get that work weight. but he actually does drive the ball quite well. But for me, if I was looking at the player that really fits that role, I would look at Imran Lusa, who's played in that exact position before. Um, I still think his best position is centrally, but if you are going to try and accommodate this team to fit this system, if we're always con- committed to a four four two, then and doing so in this way, then I would feel much more comfortable with whether it be loser on one side, you kind of play Dennis and then you're able to have that front two of when this the Sars back, you could have Sarr and King in those four positions, for example, or maybe will be a little bit more conservative than that and, and go for a Kuchka-loser combination for the wide players. And then you've got the front two of, you know, you can pick and choose, Pedro, King, Sarr, Dennis, Chucho, Hernandez, whatever you want. Um, that might be something we're more likely to see. But I think in terms of the two we saw last night in particular, um, I, I think it, wasn't, it, it just wasn't quite enough um, from an offensive standpoint to kind of create that that, that build-up play. It just fell down a little bit too quickly for me.
0: I'm pleased you mentioned Alman Abdi playing wide there because his performance against Liverpool in the, the 3-0 win in 2015 was one of the, the outstanding performances I can remember by an individual in, in any game. The, 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 the effort he went to in that match defensively for someone that he wouldn't necessarily associate always brings a, a smile to my face. And I'm pretty sure we finished that game with probably the the Kike Sanchez-Flores kind of wet dream midfield of (laughs) Alman Abdi, Ben Watson, Kapu and Guardiola and Barani Mm. possibly as well, if I remember rightly. I mean, what a functional bloody midfield that is. So, I I feel like that's probably what Hodgson's kind of striving at on some level in in certain games and in in last night being an example of that.
1: And it can be effective. As you say, it can be robust. And and 4-4-2, I mean... It really depends on the the lens you're looking through and, and the way you look to deploy. It. it can either be the most offensive or the most defensive system, um, all depending on how you how you work within it. And I think I think that's a good thing because it, you can you can change that mid game and you can you can change around depending on personnel and instruction. But um, I, I think finding finding a way to to get our best players in the team is obviously the most important thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Four for two. I think one thing we've we've definitely established in, in over the season is. From a creative perspective, in, in midfield, we don't. We, whilst we have a lot of numbers, we have quite a few good players in those central positions. We don't necessarily have anyone that's going to really really look to create from a central position. So if you're going to play that two-man midfield, I think it suits the players we have. I think Kempe, not Kempe, <laughs> Kempe, sorry. We haven't got Kempe, unfortunately. Kempe uh, and Sissoko playing in that central position. I think it suits them very well. Uh, I'm more than happy to have that. Uh, but it's just finding what what combination of players and what kind of system and how you're gonna how you're gonna manipulate these players to get in these positions and, and play from that wide area. And I want to see I want to see that box. I want to see the four, uh, the, the two strikers and the two wide midfielders. I want to see more interplay. I want to see it less disconnected. I want to see them then wide on the halfway line when we're in possession as much. I want to see how we can get them into more forward areas and, and kind of create some things because we can take players on with with the forwards we have. They are aggressive. They are good at carrying the ball and beating their man but they're much more effective when we have them running in favourable situations. And the only way you are to create those mismatches is it's going to commit bodies forward. And right now, last night, we did, we weren't able to do that consistently enough to help those two guys, and they're very isolated.
0: Yeah, I was going to talk about that. It felt like the opportunities that we had came on the breakaway. You mentioned the one where Josh King kind of dragged it wide. There was a few opportunities where, it was, you know, some quite nice kind of through balls, nicely weighted through balls, and either King or Dennis kind of coming from wide, we're able to try and drive into the box and make something happen. But it it never felt like we really created a particularly clear-cut opportunity. Someone, I can't remember who it was, and it surprised me at the time, stepped inside and kind of curled one from the left-hand side of the penalty area that Fabianski had to push away. But it did feel like those opportunities came on the counter. And I just wonder, with, with Dennis back now and Saar, hopefully to come back sooner rather than later and hopefully you know get up to speed quickly, is, is, is having those guys going to play into... Hodgson's hand in terms of how he wants to attack and uh yeah well attack that's, that's
1: yeah I think it does I mean I, we, there's also a, a decent challenge from Kuch at the back post to the header as well which was sent yes. wide quite early on but I, I think I mean look having having players at your disposal is going to give you a better a better option you know you, you have the, the decisions to make and you have more of a clear-cut uh opportunity to to put the players in the pitch that you want to do so and if it gives him tactical flexibility to to make those decisions then great and I I think we'd see, on occasions, I think there'll be there'll be times we do go for the more conservative, Kutchka cleverly like wide midfielders, mm-hmm. but with the situation we're in, and this will be a point of discussion for us as we kind of get into the podcast further, I'm sure, but we are in a situation now where we have to be, it's a very obvious thing to say, we have to be winning games uh, and we have to be giving ourselves a little bit more of a chance to win these games, even at the expense of also increasing the chance of losing because as the season draws closer and closer to the end, you know, the, the points and stuff they can be useful like a point the point last night would have been a good point but the fact is we didn't get one I and mean, now we need even more there's even more pressure to get the three points in the next game so at some point we have to start opening up a little bit um, we can pick and choose when those times are for sure but I- i'd like to see us be able to do so at a quicker pace if, if we decide to in game to make a change and go for it at times i'd like to see that happen a little bit quicker
0: has Roy hushan surprised you at all in, in terms of how he set the the team up or has it been roughly what you expected at this stage obviously early doors but I'd say
1: roughly what I'd expect to be honest with you um I think he actually surprised me in the sense that I think the defence has just turned around a little bit quicker than I thought it would too. Uh when I say mm. the defence I mean just the whole team as, as, as a as a group but that was something we we kind of hoped for um with Roy I think we did feel like he was someone that'd be very confident and very I think the, the experience that 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 kind of intrigued me was the experience of how often, how many times he's had to put in that mindset and how, how many times I have to get that across and then kind of work with work with new groups of players, different sorts of players and get that message tr- across super early. It's a cliche, we talk about kind of the new manager coming in, get their message across, get their points across, get their philosophies in, but it, it does come from somewhere. It is, it is genuine in, in certain occasions and this is one of them. We had to see that quickly because we needed a quick turnaround there, and he's done that impressively well. It's very impressive how quickly him, him and his team have done that. So now, now it really remains to be seen what's the progression from that. What's the, what's the next? What's the next phase to, to Hodgson's plan, and what's yeah. the next step? Because this isn't so much of a, a longer term project which he's had in the past. This is win now, uh, and I'm I'm curious to see how we go about it. But obviously, we have a, a an opportunity coming up on Saturday to to see.
0: Yeah, it certainly feels like he's to extend a bit of a crap analogy it almost feels like you know we've been in a you know some sort of horrible accident and he's the kind of at this stage the triage nurse he's come in and sort of stemmed the immediate bleeding and now they need to really get to the bottom and 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 of the problem and and fix things if we're gonna you know progress from there but it it, it feels like it's been a, a pretty good start in in that respect um is there is there anyone that has we haven't seen yet under him under Roy and Ray that you reckon might kind of come into the team and, and offer them something that the team is lacking at this moment? We obviously saw Ken Semmer come in perhaps surprisingly against uh, against Burnley, but is there anyone on the periphery that that deserves a look and could be useful to them?
1: Yeah, I mean obviously obviously Ismail sarkine back is the is the main one, which you know that would be. A huge boost. It'd be interesting to see how he's used. I think it's quite likely he's played in the central position, uh, given a little bit of freedom and just someone that can play more advanced and and be that threat. Uh, I think that's, for me, I'd I'd be pretty much certain that's how we would use him, but you know, remains Mm -hmm. to be seen. Uh, That would be, obviously, a huge return. I I still do think Imran Luzer would provide a lot. I think he's well-suited to playing in those wide positions if needed, and he's someone that can actually play the ball a little bit more aggressively. He can help transition the ball. He can win the ball, turn the ball over. But importantly he can contribute offensively. Uh, but still offers something defensively. I think Roy will like him a lot. I would be surprised if he wasn't included um, at some point soon. So he there's kind of two big ones for me. Mm-hmm. Um Gio Pedro I thought I thought Gerald Pedro would, would be playing yesterday. Um, but obviously there's there's a lot of there's a lot to like about King if you if you Roy Hodgson, I can see as well why he makes that decision. But playing in the front two, I think I think João Pedro could be really useful for us, especially the way he's able to play a little bit deeper at times and help help link that play. If we are struggling to get the ball forwards, we are struggling to kind of make that transitional play. Then I think someone like Pedro is is invaluable to a team that struggles to yeah. do so. Because the, the two last night in, in terms of uh, King and Dennis, the, whilst they're both mobile, they're both able to play wide. Josh King's you know surprisingly good actually in, in, in a lot of occasions at holding the ball up. Neither of those guys are someone that are going to necessarily build up play through interplay player passing. It's more of a pick up the ball and carry and drive. Um, they're not really put two players that kind of link up together much or involve the rest of the team. But someone like Pedro does give the opportunity to do that, as well as being a goal threat in the box. So I wouldn't surprise if we saw him uh, be included, included a little more. Uh, but, I mean, they're kind of the main ones off the top of my head that I feel like could come in there and, and make a difference from what we've seen over uh, the last of the, the kind of opening two games of uh, Hodgson's tenure
0: I was going to mention the Josh Josh King thing and, and, and Jal Pedro because there seems to be a bit of kind of conjecture around the King's position in the team and whether it's time to take him out of the firing line and put um, Jao Pedro in it seems to me that he does a lot of great work when we're out of possession You know, leads that line well, works hard does the physical stuff, does the kind of fairly unglamorous stuff and and sometimes and we may have said this before but sometimes to his detriment as well a little bit that he's then not in the position to be on the end of the cross I think we put in one sort of decent low cross from the right last night that he sort of flung himself out and nearly stabbed it home but it it feels to me quite infrequent that you see him in in the six yard box see him sort of you know 10-12 yards from goal ready to get on the end of something is that is that is that fair, or is that a failure of the team more widely that they aren't able to let him be in, in the right position at the right time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the latter on that. I, th- I think Josh King is. I think he's a he's a working, relatively selfless, selfless player mm. uh, in a lot of ways. I think he's good at holding the ball up. He's, he's as I said. So to me, he was he was better than I thought he was um, at playing with his back to goal. He, he takes the ball down well. He's able to use his body. He's, he, he's got good body control. He knows how to kind of get on his defender and, and create some space on himself and then find that balance to kind of keep controlled uh, and hold up the ball, which is invaluable to us. I think one of the issues for Josh King is due to how we've been playing, um, due to us being deep and, and sitting off a bit and starting from very deep, I think it makes it very difficult for him to get advanced. He has to come so short uh, to be in a position to hold that ball up. If he does get the ball, if he spins, plays the ball out wide... He's then got a long way to travel to to get into attacking position, and I think that's led to him on a few occasions when he has been in those chances, he's snatched it a little bit and rushed things. He's not he's not getting as many chances as he'd like to see from from Josh King per game. Um, you know, for me, if you think about Josh King in a different, just try to picture this Josh King in a different team for us. If you think of him in a in say, Javi Grassier system, he would be in the mm-hmm. box a little bit more. He'd be more active. He'd be someone that can pull players around. I think you'd feel much more comfortable. But with what he's being asked to do right now, it's very difficult to see him being able to do much else other than play in the way he's been playing. You kind of look at his best performance this season. You'd say Everton, obviously, kind of contributing. Contributing, score, scoring goals, and just being more of an offensive threat. That was a game we were very much able to get bodies forward and kind of get those players pushed up, commit players to offensive roles a little bit more. Uh, and that allows Josh King to play as more of an active striker rather than just that kind of hold up play forward. Yeah. He's drifting out wide, kind of bring others into play, but not really getting the support he needs. So if you want him to play in that capacity, I think he's more than capable of doing it. But you have to allow him to play to do that. And right now, I think he's just doing the job that he's asked to do. And I think he's doing a decent job out there. He hasn't been at his best, even in that sense. But, uh, I mean, for me, I, I completely understand why Roy Hodgson would want to go with Josh King over Josh, over Jar Pedro. Uh, there's, they're, different, they're different players. But I think there's definitely ways to, to get more productivity out of him. It just comes down to the question of, does Roy want to kind of structure his team in that manner? And probably not. But in a situation where we need to be winning games, of course, I think at least for for certain phases of the game, we should be looking at ways to get our strikers being a little bit more active in the box. And that can be something that's effective for, for Josh King, I would say.
0: Hey, it's Danny
1: Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Well, we'll leave it there for the chat around Roy Hodgson's first couple of games. Understandably, we've had a lot of questions in already. Uh, Jordan, do you want to take us through some of those?
1: So first question um, from Luorns. We're down, aren't we? I understood the setup last night. But <laughs> lining up with a midfield of Cle- midfield four of cleverly KM based and Kuchka just is just depressing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean look as we kind of covered that, that midfield there, it's the kind of most pragmatic you could possibly be. Uh and I mean pragmatic may even be a little bit unfair. It's the most negative you could be in a sense from midfield. So yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a bit of a depressing lineup in that sense. We're down, I mean I I, I do sympathize with this train of thought because you look at the situation we're in uh, and and how much we have to turn around is that before is other positives we've seen from Roy Hodgson's team over the last two games are yes they're positives in isolation but do they fit the need of what we have to do to get out of this position in one sense yes they do but we haven't really seen an indication. Uh, of how that offensive structure is going to improve enough to say that we're going to, mm. we're going to be able to score enough goals and get ourselves into positions where we're winning games, holding out games, kind of getting those getting those leads and actually holding on to them. Are we going to be able to score those goals and get out of this problem? Because we are going to have to shoot ourselves out of this situation in some ways too. Um, and, and that sort of lineup doesn't fill you with a great level of hope that we're going to do so. Having said that, if we go into the next game or the next couple of games, we see you see Daniels lining up on one side with Sarr and King up front or, you know, I think it's unlikely, but you potentially see Saar and Dennis wide with two strikers. Then maybe you start to think, okay, that, that early game or the game against West Ham or the first game against Burnley, you can you can say, okay, first game, I understand him playing a little bit more conservatively, second game away at West Ham. Maybe he thinks the point's enough here and, and then you can say, you know, we've, we've got a chance. But if, if if it was to continue selection-wise as, as the way it did last night, I'd have to say we're, we would be down. I, I don't think that that is a team or that approach is something that's going to be enough to get us over the line and and get us out of the situation if we were to see that every single week or something very similar every single week between now and the end of the season. What do you think on that one, Sam?
0: We're not down, but it is very hard, even with Roy Hodgson coming in and the improvements that we've discussed, to see where they're going to get enough points from, purely because we've burnt so many games that you would, on paper, have to say, are winnable games, the games that you're targeting. You know, I'm looking at the next three fixtures. We've got Brighton at home, Villa away, Palace. Um, you know, they're all having not too bad a seasons, so or there's the potential there. Brighton are obviously an excellent season. Palace have improved, uh, at least in terms of position, under Patrick Vieira and, and uh, Palace. Although, uh, sorry, Villa, although they are, uh, you know, kind of mid-table, have picked up quite a bit under Stephen Gerald in the time he's been in and, and beaten a lot of the teams around them and, and below them. So you would think... All of those teams would be looking at us as, as, as a way of picking up three points. So they're not foregone conclusions, but you're, you are looking at them and thinking, with the games to come after those, we need to be taking something from these. Otherwise, that's another six, seven games burnt before you know it. And and it's all very well and good saying, you know, as you say, kind of shoot ourselves out of it. I think it's a great phrase. It's all very well and good saying well, we've got the attacking talent. We know we have scoring goals has never been a problem. It's not. It's it's not that it's. Uh, it's not that it's not a problem. It's hang on. How am I saying this? It's not that it's not a problem. It's not that it's not a problem. It's not that it's not a problem. But <laughs> good luck. I'm picking this match. It's not that it's not a problem, but it's it's not as easy as we're making out either. I don't think. You know, we are still one of the lower scorers in the the league, and we've got to give those guys the opportunity to change that. You know, that you can only they can only feed on scraps to a certain extent, and and that at the moment that feels like, the you know the reality for them. So, yeah, we're not down, but something is going to have to happen fairly soon to kick start a run that will get us to safety. Otherwise, I think we're just going to have left it too late again.
1: <clears throat> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, good question. Okay, so <clears throat> next up, what for Sean? Do you think we can realistically hold? Of Jao Pedro next year, would Jao Pedro, Kalu, Espria be a realistic front three? Anything we could be excited about in championships? This is obviously assuming Mm. uh, we were to go down. Uh, So, assuming we're to go down, (sighs) look, we could we could hold Jao Pedro. We could we could do something similar to what we did with this Menesar with with Jao Pedro. Mm. We could hold on to him. Um, For me personally, depending depending where we are in terms of Jao Pedro's valuation, if it's at a high point. If, if, a, if a good offer comes in, and when I say good, I'm talking about something, you're really talking about something 25, 30 plus, aren't you, for Jao for Pedro to be good. Yeah. Potentially even more. I think Jao Pedro's in a little bit of a grey area right now um, because whilst we know, we've seen, as, as Watford fans have watched every game, we've seen him in the championship, we know the ability he has. I think he's definitely someone that's up there in terms of ability and ceiling. Uh, someone like Ismail Assar. But Assar was a little bit more productive in his time in the Premier League before we got relegated to that that was more of a it was more of a statement to hold on to Sun, i think it would be pedro having said that i would still personally i like to sell i would like to sell players when you get the, the good the kind of these good high value bids coming in especially the situation we will be going into getting relegated i think the team at this stage if i had to make a, a just a pure judgment call i think the team would try and hold on to job pedro um, I don't think João Pedro, with the age he is, I don't think he'd be pushing overly hard to leave. It's potential he could, but mm-hmm. I think we could definitely keep him for another year in the championship if that's what we wanted to do. There's nothing to actually stop us doing so, especially when we do have other assets we could capitalize on and, and, and make room uh, for doing so. You now that might come at the expense of perhaps losing some other players you don't want to lose. Uh, we have to kind of try to balance, the, balance the books a little bit and find ways to, to work within the market. But uh, I, I think if you did keep Jao, obviously it's a plus if you sold him. It just comes and just really comes down to how you look to recruit from there. I think no matter what you look at, for me, João Pedro fits our recruitment strategy. If we we're to redirect and look in a different way of, of kind of different way of operating the transfer market, I think one of the routes will probably go down is if we either go towards that younger group. Clearly, um, South American football is somewhere we feel confident in bringing players in from, uh, with Espria coming in as well. And I think Pedro is still a foundational part of that. So I could see him staying, uh, and and yeah, Ja Pedro Kalu and Espria could be a, could be a front three. Why not? That uh, there's going to be other players involved, and I'm sure if he we were to get relegated, we'd see quite a, quite a change around in 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 team in general. So we're going to see a few more in, and perhaps a couple more out. But it's definitely something that's feasible. Uh, I, it just remains to be seen but obviously that question doesn't involve Ishmael Sar, but I think you look at players like that that's definitely something that we've been moving on from and in my opinion we certainly should be selling Assar at the end of the season kind of regardless of the situation we're in
0: Yeah I agree with all that I think we've, um, that's the only thing I'd say add is that Aspria potentially ends up at, parked out on loan somewhere next season regardless of what division we're in but no I wouldn't disagree with any of the rest of that
1: Yeah I mean it's, it's definitely potential we've got One positive thing I'd say about if we were to get relegated, I do still think that we do have players that can play at a high championship level and can be effective in the championship. I do think we still could have a good squad, um, even with some of the players that we'd be able to keep around despite some of the ones we'd lose. You know, we we have options in forward areas, Chucho Hernandez, you know, these are players that can contribute. Obviously, Ken Semer, we've seen he can be more effective in the championship. Like, I think we'll have ways of, of being competitive and, and still being mm-hmm. effective in the championship should we go down. Jao Pedro, if the, if the club feel good on him and they feel like it's, it's, it's a it's a good offset, you know, kind of trading off that potential income. And it's the same with this Manassar. I think there's an argument that you're going to raise, the, you could raise the, the potential value of that player by having another season. And I think with Jao Pedro, the way he's performed this year and kind of the trajectory he's on for this season... I think that the bid's coming in at this point now. If you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, I'd have said differently. But I think at this point now, I don't think his value has risen enough to the point where we're going to be certain we're going to sell him in the summer for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think
1: that's fair. Yeah. Okay, next one in from Dom. Why isn't Sissoko being played wide? <clears throat> the most ideal candidate of central players we have, surely, given his experience there for France in particular. Yeah, look, he's another option. We didn't really discuss him too much, did we, when we were talking about mm. uh, the, the kind of wide options. But So is so someone that can at least carry the ball. Uh, we, we've seen that kind of when he first joined uh, first joined Watford in, Jan- uh, sorry, in January in the summer. We saw that he how effective he could be with his carrying. His carrying kind of diminished a little bit, and I don't think that's kind of down to him. I think that's often down to his instruction, and especially under Hodgson, you're not going to expect that as much from him driving forward with the ball. But we've seen he's capable of it. Obviously, the finishing leaves a little bit to be just at times mm-hmm. uh, pretty much most of the time uh, we've seen but it's a good point he, he's someone that could play there for sure I, I don't know exactly why we haven't considered that yet other than the fact that he's very good in the central position uh, I think maybe maybe Hodgson just values the, 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 the work of the, kind of the ability he has and the, the way he contribute from the central position more than he does from the wide position I'd imagine that's the reason but it's certainly not the question that we see him uh, playing in that position at some point this season
0: Yeah, agreed. He was the one I thought that maybe if you were going to do it in a kind of lopsided way, he'd be the more kind of um, unnatural right-sided player who could then tuck in and and make it a three and allow the left-sided player to push on and and go almost 4-3-3. To be honest, a bit like we did um, in the Burnley game, albeit that kind of Kutzke was the one that ended up kind of out on the right more than anything. Um, But I think think you're absolutely right. If you do that, then the, the... Concern is you take him out of the middle, and I think um, he's a funny player, isn't he? He's almost got that kind of chaotic quality to him. But I, th- I think we would be softer and weaker if we didn't have him in the middle as well. So it's a bit of a bit of a catch twenty-two.
1: Yeah, this I thing is one we could see going back and forth a little bit too. Yeah. Um, okay, next one from Aaron is it likely that Roy switches to a midfield three and if he sticks to four 4 two, how can we set up in a way that doesn't restrict the attack? So the second part of that question, I feel like we covered reasonably well uh, in terms of how we can set up and not restrict the attack, whether that's kind of going to, as you said there, Tom, a little bit more of a lopsided uh, approach in, in terms of how you kind of set up with the more offensive-minded player on one side and some a little bit more conservative in the other, or just kind of allowing that little bit more freedom to push forward and just create some more interplay between that front box of players. Yeah. In terms of changing the shape, it is. I mean, it's certainly possible. He's definitely played in that way before, uh, and, and I can't anticipate he would do so from the beginning. Actually, Um when yeah, he came pe- in. But
0: people get quite hung up on shape, don't they? I think it changes so much within games, and you know, even you know, looking at that first eleven, as I'm sure we all did for the Burnley game, and the club tweeted it. You go, you look at it, and you go, well, it could be a four-four-two, it could be a four-two-three-one, could be mm-hmm. four-four-one-one, one. could be. You know, four one four one, which in its own way could be four three three or four five one. You know, I think that yeah. there are a couple of kind of probably guiding principles that stay the same, aren't there? That the, um, you, or, or quite a few probably, but you know, it's going to be a back four. There's going to be an element of rigidity and and, and whatnot to that. And there's you know, the front two are going to have to work hard, and it's probably going to out of possession. You know, roughly what to expect. They're probably more likely to drop back into a a, a pretty. Pretty structured shape at that point, but I think it's it probably ebbs and flows within the game and changes within the game more than you maybe appreciate. appreciating oh, I don't know about you, you're I mean you are an actual freelance analyst scout. You you do this for a living. It, to me, I always find it so hard at home watching on the telly to really appreciate you know the shape and, and and how things are playing out. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot lot more difficult than it is when you're actually at a game to see what quite what's happening um, in reality.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it all depends on the, the, the kind of approach the, of the coach. But as you, it's a fluid game, so you are going to see lots of fluidity of movement. And I, I think the way that you have to operate in this particular system with, you know, Roy Hodgson's four for two, and the way you utilise that midfield, I think the only way you do try and see any sort of balance is to manipulate the, the, the positioning of those players, especially the wide players. We didn't quite see it enough last night, um, but we did see we did see cleverly come a little bit more central at times. We saw Dennis come from the left quite a lot. Um, these players you think about it in terms of a base lineup you might say a four four two, but each individual player has their own instructions and you know they have an idea of how they're meant to work with the players around them uh, and, and clearly one of the ways that we saw fit to play yesterday was through that left-hand side Dennis is comfortable playing in the wide area he likes to have you know he likes to have a line this side he can isolate his man a little bit and take players on and that's what he's good at so Naturally, you're going to allow him to do that a little bit more, and then you—it's all about finding ways to incorporate the the best elements of the players' games and their personality, how they operate on the pitch, and then finding ways to fit that in the system. I think Roy does that pretty well, but it, it's kind of just—it's difficult because it's not going into this with a full preseason, he's not having the time to to yeah. find what works best. You have to make a judgment call.s Now, and I, I think in that situation, you do. There's going to be a tendency to go with what you know a little bit, and obviously, Tom Cleverly is someone that he he feels like he might be a bit more of a known quantity, um, and. He's, Tom tonk is a, a Roy Hodgson' dream, so he's going to be involved in a stun capacity, whether it's on the bench or not. But I think it's just a it's just a little bit of a safe call. But there is there are ways to to improve that setup, and and it might come from a slight shift in formation, or it might come from um, you might still describe it as a four four two or a four two three one, whatever you like to describe it as. But it might come more from some individual kind of little tweaks to the to the way players are interacting with each other to see uh, the difference that we're kind of hoping for. Okay, uh I think that one covers that you got anything more on that one, Tom?
0: Uh, no, no, I think we're I think we're good on that front. Sorry, I was just looking at the next question.
1: That's all right. So the next one I have is from Frederick. So yes. will Roy have time to learn to make changes earlier or will we see changes in the in minute seventy? What do you guys think? Well you I go first on this one, Tom.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know, it's I don't know if it's about time to learn. You know, the guy's, and maybe I'm taking this a bit too literally, but, you know, the guy's uber experience, you know, everything there is to know. Um, I suspect the, the, a large part of the reason for kind of waiting yesterday and, until he did to make the change was that he was quite sort of satisfied with everything, the way it was going. The game the game plan was, up until that point, had worked, hadn't it? You know, we had, as I said, right at the top, kept him arm's length and, and so on and so forth. And then the, the goal going in on 68 just, you know, changes everything. And then you've got to kind of rethink. But I don't know if I'd have necessarily made a change at that point other than to put some fresh legs on. I think we, we touched on it a while ago, but um, Kuzka certainly looked tired and it, it felt like a bit of correlation between that and us just, you know, losing the... the Kind of control of the game, maybe at the controls, probably too strong a word, but you know, losing our footing in the game. So maybe you'd have put um, Cleverly in there to do that a little bit sooner. But uh, sorry, not Cleverly, he was already on the field. Uh, Imran Loser or Ken Semmer or someone in there to do that a little bit sooner. But otherwise, I don't know. I I personally, I don't don't feel like there was an obvious substitution that had to be made. And uh, you know, we were suffering because it hadn't been made by that stage yeah
1: yeah i think that's pretty fair um i think roy is someone that's that has so much preparation going into games i don't think he's someone that looks to change perhaps as quick as you'd like Uh, that could be a positive or a negative depending on the kind of outcome the situation but he's not someone that is as quick to to make subs to the benches as as sometimes you'd maybe want to see uh, especially when it comes to kind of getting yourself back into games but Look, I think it's, we just have to take this on a game-by-game basis and see. But there will be occasions, I'm sure, where we're sat there kind of hoping for a change a little bit earlier. Even the first game of the season, we made some changes. Sorry, first game of his his tenure, we, we had a few changes which were a little bit frustrating. And Ken Semer stayed in the pitch a long time. And, you know, these sorts of things happen. So I think we're probably going to see a little bit of that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next one from Matt. Anyone else bored of this season and can't wait for it to end? Um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah, look, it's... When you're struggling, it's always going to feel a bit like that, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's, it's not fun. I was saying this to someone, a colleague, actually, to, um, today, just saying and kind of discussing you know, who's a, a Fulham fan and you know, kind of having the discussion about is it more fun to be in the Championship or not and, and kind of p- balancing that off with the, the idea that it just all feels a little bit naff in the Championship <laughs> compared to the Premier League. Um, but yeah. I, I don't think I want to fall into the yo-yoing either. So... I'm I'm definitely not bored of it. I would like us to be competing at the other end, obviously, or at least, you know, higher up the table. But I'm never bored of it. I always look forward to what for games coming around but personally. I'm i maybe I'm a bit I'm a bit too easily pleased, I don't know. That's my stance, certainly.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I appreciate that. I think I'm probably in the same in the same vein there. Um another one another question for us here, simply from Dan. Is it all a little too late? Uh and that is I think that's really I think that's a big question. I think it's a good question. I think it's a question that everyone kind of feels right now. Uh, are we seeing this a little too They Had Roy come in Had Roy come in, in this situation, say, two months earlier, would you feel... I think we'd all feel a little bit more confident about these before. I think that there are, as we've said multiple times this episode, there are positives to take away from the first two performances. I think the way you analyse these two games, the way you kind of judge your feeling off them, changes quite heavily should this have come two months earlier. With, mm-hmm. with more games more games to build upon and it's really the short turnaround time the amount of the amount of change we have to see in such a short space or a relatively short space that's where the that's where the concern is so is it too little too late it's very possibly it is very possibly too little too late and Roy Hodgson could very feasibly do a good job and it's still not enough um so yeah I think it's potential it obviously could be remain to be it obviously will remain to be seen uh, as to whether it is or not but we're definitely pushing it close we're pushing it as we left it as late yeah. as we possibly could to bring in this sort of coach to expect things to turn, expect things to turn around. Uh, it is right at that, that tip and edge there, I'd say.
0: No, I agree with that. I think it's. Uh, I think we were all surprised, weren't we, that they kind of if the change was going to come and we all felt like there was a, a possibility, whether we agreed with it or not, that it, it kind of had been left very late and that perhaps the time to do it would have been um, that break, was it after the West Ham home game where we got beaten as kind of the FA Cup and then there was a break for a week or two until the next Premier League fixture so yes potentially it's, it's as I said earlier we've just it just feels like we've burned through so many winnable games again and you know that was something that happened in 1920 wasn't it when we got got relegated we just burned through so many winnable games under Kike and other coaches that yeah it's it's just regrettable the whole thing is regrettable I feel like I tried to go into that and be more positive than I was uh, I've ended up sounding to be honest
1: no, so I think no, I I think I, I no, I do agree. Look, it's it's a difficult one. There's gonna be there's gonna be that element, and it it's gonna be an unknown situation. This it's exciting in some ways because we're gonna find out a lot pretty quick. Um, we have to, but yeah, it, it's it, it's a tough one to answer. But I, I think it's definitely the the main question everyone's gonna be asking themselves. And come the end of the season, it's it's, it's very likely or it's, it's quite a lot of potential. We could be sitting there thinking, oh, if that just happened just a little bit earlier. if... You know, there's always this is about to be the end of the season, especially when you're kind of going through an autopsy of a relegation season, if that was to occur. Uh, so it's, it's a tough one. But I, I sincerely, as I'm sure every Watford fan hopes, it's not too late just.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks as ever to everyone for uh, all your questions that you've sent in and for everyone, of course, that listens. Make sure you give us a review on iTunes. I think that's the only place you can do it. Uh, it does help us a lot. And if we have any new reviews, we promise we'll go through the next time when we can, uh, all three of us, add our humour and witticisms in reflection of those. Do give us a follow on Twitter as well. Jordan is at Jordan Weimer. I'm at TB Bodell. And the podcast, most importantly, is at Watford Pod. And finally, if you haven't already seen We've got our own Patreon Patreon uh, site now where you can sign up for a very small amount of money a month and just give us your best wishes so that we can all go off and, and have a beer remotely, given we are spread out or a coffee as is, uh, is the running joke at this stage. Uh, in the meantime, we will be back for the game at the weekend after Brighton and hopefully a first win for Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington.